Today was one of those meetings that, uh, I mean, it happens just about every meeting, <laughs> where, you know, the, the presence of the Lord comes so much, and it, and it gives you a different reality. And, uh, you know, you're in worship, and, you know, as John was saying, you know, you're, you're in the highest places, and suddenly you see things from a different perspective, and, and you're like, oh, the, the kingdom is a, is a completely different awareness. It's a, it's a completely different reality. And when, when Jesus comes, like, like he's doing right now, like, like he's even in this uh, talk right now, he comes and he gives us a different option. And, you know, this is a place where he is revealing many different options for us. And when he does so, he grants to us his enabling grace, that's one way of saying it, his power to actually step into it. And today, the, the, the sweet gift has been there. He, he's shown, for me anyway, he, he's shown this different reality. And then I, I find permission to say, well, that which I knew just 10 minutes ago, I, I don't want that anymore. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to step in over here. And I, I can, you can feel it. And, and what you're stepping into when this happens is God. You know, you're, you're stepping into greater intimacy, if you could say that. Your, your union, oneness. And, and it's, it's an amazing reality. And, and that... That connection, when I'm, this is just my experience. I don't know if it's you guys right now, but, but I'm, I'm feeling like this, this warmth just increasing, this sense of completion increasing, this wholeness, this peace that's there. And so these are words that can look simply like concepts without the experience. Yeah. However, when the experience is here, it becomes realized, and we recognize that the words that have been spoken aren't simply concepts, but they are a reality. His kingdom has come. His reality has come. And today Jesus is revealing that in a wonderful way. When he came and when he did that, he was uh, also destabilizing things because when he was revealing his kingdom, his reality, it showed the inferiority of the realities that we've all lived in in the past. And it causes a, a shaking within first, and then a shaking in culture, second. So when there's a shaking going on in culture, it's because there's a, there's a new reality that he is revealing. So how many know here in this place that these are the days of the greatest hope possible? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that's what today's message is about. When Jesus came, he gives us a different option. And so, for instance, we in our past and maybe in the world, the word might be it's better to receive than to give, you know, better to hoard, better to control. But when he came, he came saying it's better to give than to receive. Uh, when he came, the, the wisdom of the day, you know, said that, that, that wisdom is this you know, I, idea that we have to be serious and we have to be all-knowing and we have to know everything from beginning to end and, and we have to be able to, to walk in strength and puff out our chest and make sure that the strongest survive. But he says that in his kingdom, the greatest is for those who are like children. <laughs> and that if you want to be great, you have to be like the least of these. You have to be like a servant. 
when he is saying these things, he's not giving us better rules to live by either. It's not like he's saying that the rules that you guys have lived by um, are simply insufficient. Now let me give you some new rules. He's given us a completely different reality. When we step into that new reality and, and we do things like giving today or we uh, humble ourselves and, and serve, um, when we uh, are uh, becoming more innocent in the way that we think as opposed to wise in our own eyes, and we actually surrender that to the Lord, we, we find that in that space there's a, there's a completely different reality. There's, there's an awareness. We, there's a, a connection with God. We begin to, to see things like we never have seen before. And in the natural, there's some examples that we can use as, as maybe like entryways or launching off points. Uh, you know, for instance, if, if you're not a fan of football and you get invited to go to a, you know, a, a Panthers game on a Sunday, you know, there's 75,000 people that are there. And maybe it's a great game. You know, maybe it's back and forth, and, and at the end, it's, it's building up. Last drive is going to win it or lose it, and it becomes this place where everyone in the stands is completely giving themselves over to the moment. And you feel that. You, you feel in the power of that, you know, union, that, the power of that moment. There, there's something transcendent going on, and then you get it. Because you're taken out of your reality into a different reality. And that might be a better reality for that moment. And you say, wow, that's great. That, that is, by the way, why sometimes those can become addictive. <laughs> why a musical moment at a concert can also you know, be something that you crave after because it takes you out of a, a different reality, a lesser reality. The kingdom of heaven's reality is the, the greatest of all. And it leaves you in a place of peace, of, of kindness, and it's, it's beautiful. And so in the, the world, we, we stand and we look strong. In the kingdom, we get on our knees and we bow. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess in the kingdom of God. And so when we ourselves are in that posture and position, then the enemies are also in that posture and position. And therefore, they can't get us from behind because they're, they're on their knees. They have to in the presence of God. And so therefore, you're safe to surrender yourself all fully over into that moment and not think that there's something that's going to happen and take you out from behind. And so in the presence of Jesus, you can relax. In the presence of Jesus, you can let go and let all things pass. In the presence of Jesus, you can become fully yourself and fully formed and, and, and revel in what true glory is. And in that place, dance and have fun and sing and be yourself in all moments and we were, I was talking with a, a friend <laughs> Friday night here, and uh, we were uh, just exchanging the, just some observations over the night, how in this place, everyone was just being themselves. They were, they were cutting loose, they were dancing, you know, uh, some were just having a good time talking, and, and everyone was as they are, and how that can actually be intimidating, because if everyone is who they really are, then you can't hide because there's no pretense. And if you have to, therefore, be yourself, you actually have to figure out who you are. <laughs> and so I, I have just great delight in being in this community because of that, you know, because uh, I'm, I'm also, we're all in process, we're all discovering, I'm discovering more and more of who I am in this place. And so I, I also honor how you all are uh, letting yourselves uh, bow to the name of Jesus and therefore be fully revealed in who you are. And so it, it gets collected and then we all get a chance to share in that. And that's also a reality that Jesus came with. He came with that option of what it means to truly be human. 
And if it's true that it is the innocent and childlike that the kingdom of heaven is for, and that the least are the greatest, if Jesus is the greatest and therefore he was the most childlike. Right? Okay, and, and so if you can picture what it would have been like for the, the, the people at that time who were under Roman authority, these big, strong, iron armies of law, Pax Romana through law and through what that world looked like. And then in the religious community, it was all based on law. And this is how you do things. If not, then you're not allowed in God's. And so that, you know, forced people to think, all right, the only way to get out of this is it to be even stronger and even harder, you know, to become more and more rigid and, and become so strong that I, I lose all personality and emotion and that kind of stuff, but I'll be strong enough to defeat these people. And so when Jesus came as a child, <laughs> dancing, you know, John was talking about uh, last week or a couple weeks ago how when the kingdom came, there was drunkenness in the spirit, and they didn't correct the drunkenness part. They just corrected where it came from. But also when Jesus came, he came drinking, right, to show that, you know, he wasn't going to perform the way that the people of the world thought they should. And so he wasn't becoming this mighty ruler coming in and hardening himself and punching people in the face. And then that was it. His kingdom was going to be established by that. So therefore, you have to do the same thing. It was instead through childlikeness and wonder and, and even forgiving people on the way to the cross. You know, I mean, you know, there was pain that he was going through. And so sometimes even in church history past, we can say, oh, he was suffering and it was so bad. And so therefore we have to suffer and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. <laughs> suffer! <laughs> there was a joy that was set before him. <laughs> There was a, I mean, how do you forgive if you're in that place of just like, ah, you know, you, you, he was constantly forgiven. The Greek, it was, it was just constant forgiveness. Forgive, 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 forgive. You know, there was suffering that was there, but also in his heart, it remained pure. There was a place of victory. And so when, when he was having these encounters sometimes, I mean, I, I, you know, maybe at times he was having to just give a strong rebuke and, and show that. But I also know that in his eyes, that there, there was hope, that there was childlikeness, there was innocence. You could look at it, and as he was saying these things, there was also the invitation, look at who I am. There's a better way. Trust in this expression of the kingdom. Trust in my innocence. Trust in that I am meek and lowly in heart, that I'm gentle, that you can, you can trust in gentleness. And everyone's like, you can't trust in gentleness. You'll get eaten alive if you do that. And he said, trust me. And then he died because of it. And then he got rose because of it. And so if you want that resurrection in your life, this is the option that's set before you. So I want to talk, therefore, about the option of, uh, of authority. Of how Jesus, therefore, um, exhibits what authority is like. Uh, because as I see it, it's, it's radical. And it's radically different than how we understand authority in this world. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up in <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to tell the same story from two different perspectives. The first part is chapter 8 of Matthew, verse 5. And this is a story of a centurion. So a, a centurion was a Roman soldier who had authority over uh, you know, a large group of soldiers. And at that time, 
the Roman garrisons weren't fully there in Israel because they were operating through Herod. And so this was a Roman centurion who was there to help guard the peace through the puppet government of Herod, who represented both the Roman system, but also because of him building the temple, seemingly the religious system. And so here comes the, the iron strength of Rome and a centurion in this town called Capernaum where Jesus would, would minister to. And when he came, Jesus, down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And uh, let me go back into, excuse me, uh, verse 5. When he uh, entered, when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. So here's a man in authority, pleading. Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed in terrible agony. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion says, Lord... I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be cured. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, I assure you I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I'll tell you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus told the centurion, Go as you have believed, let it be done for you. And this servant was cured that very moment. And so we, we have in this passage the centurion trying to reason with Jesus on the basis of authority. Saying, I know what it's like to have authority. If I say go, this servant goes. If I say go do this, this slave goes does this. And so I understand authority. So just say the word and my servant will be healed. And in Matthew's account, what is plain in the text and plain to all of us, I think, that when we talk about this authority, it's, it's the power to release heaven, to release the power of God for, in this case, healing. And that's firmly established here. And so Jesus has authority, in this case, over the physical elements of life, you know, the, the, the things that we have to wrestle and, and mess with in this world. He has authority over these things, and, and he works with the power of God, so he has authority in the power of God. That's clearly established. This is Matthew's account. Matthew, in his gospel, is many ways trying to help people to see what a true authority looks like, what a new authority looks like, as a follow-up now to Moses. And so in the same way that there was five books of the Pentateuch, there were five uh, sections of the Gospel of Matthew. And it was trying to help the people at the time, especially the Jewish people, see that Jesus is a new Moses. And so the reason why Matthew is framing things the way that he does is to help establish, in this case, a new authority. And that's wonderful. Every Gospel has a different Perspective, because there are certain things that they are wanting us all to see specifically. John, for instance, is you know is my favorite. Um, he is showing what the embodiment of God the Father looks like in Jesus, and so you have the most intimacy discourses. You have John uh, describing Jesus, you know, as one who, in his prayers before the, the Father, is protecting his sheep, you know, and and wanting us to see what a father-son relationship looks like. And you have Mark. Mark is like, all things are new. Now, now. 
Suddenly this happened, big newness happens, and he's, he's showing how everything's being created right now. Let's go do this. Woo! And then he just, it's the fastest book that's out there in the Gospels, and you just want to read to the next page because you're like, it's all new, it's, it's all new. And so this is the newness of the kingdom. It's amazing. I want us to turn to Luke, who gives us the second view of the story. Now, Luke is one who has helped us to see the embodiment of, um, we're going to say the, the, the suffering servant or the, in, in Isaiah, there was, the, the prophet Isaiah described um, the coming Messiah as one who was like a servant. If any of you have been servants in any kind of way in your life, whether it's been through you know, serving your parents, or if it's been serving your boss, or if it's been serving your spouse, or it's been serving kids, uh, even as a, as a server at a restaurant, uh, that was one of my uh, favorite lessons in life, was being a servant for a time, uh, serving tables at restaurants, because you, you get to see human nature in many ways, and, and how you get you know, looked at as a servant, sometimes as opposed to like a human being. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it creates a healthy humility. So I, I think we're going to try to have our daughters do that at some point, you know. <laughs> but the, uh, the point is that when you are a servant and, and you humble yourself in that way, you begin to see the, the benefits of humility. And you begin to see uh, the poverty in, in a way that actually connects you with the poor. You know, after a while of being poor, and you see joy in, in someone who's poor, you begin to recognize the presence of God. Yeah. You know, because well, they, they shouldn't be there, but it is there. You know, and, and kindness, and, and you begin to let go of a lot of things. And Luke is one who is able not only, therefore, to enter into, help us to enter into what it means to serve, but then also in that place of serving, know who to serve. Know, Identify that there's many oppressed in our culture. There's many who have been oppressed for so long in our culture that they're just forgotten to the least. And Luke is pointing at them and saying, "No, no, 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 this is who Jesus is coming after." You know, in their culture, it was it was the women, and it was those who hadn't uh, didn't have authority. He was especially looking at the poor, and so it's helping us to see the motivation and why Jesus would say certain some of the things that he said which is really important for this passage in Luke chapter 7. It's the same story. <laughs> and so it's told from, from this lens, and I, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I, I pray that the Lord just bring revelation now because this is, this is so fun for me. <laughs> so when Jesus concluded in verse 1 of chapter 7, all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion's slave who was highly valued by the centurion was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his slave. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He, the centurion, is worthy for you to grant this because he loves our nation. And has built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be cured. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. <clears throat> Jesus heard this and was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, 
following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. So the centurion says, again, I'm a man placed under authority, having soldiers and slaves. Soldiers and slaves. That when these soldiers and slaves do what I tell them to do, they'll do it. Soldiers and slaves will do what I tell them to do and do it. But who did he send to Jesus? Who does the scripture say that he sent? Did he send a slave or did he send a servant? He sent the elders of the the house of Israel who knew this man's heart and could point to that man's heart and say he loves so much that he has built us a synagogue so that we would understand our God. And he sends friends who know his heart so much that he says he he doesn't even feel worthy to be around you. There's such intimacy in that friendship that these friends could say we we know him and he, he trusts us with the most sacred part of his soul to say that he doesn't feel worthy among you. He sees you for who you are. A man under authority says, I have authority to send slaves and servants, but I'm sending friends and elders instead. Elders are going to care for this community. Elders are the ones responsible for the care of this community. Instead of sending those that I have authority to command, I'm giving those who know me by choice to go reveal my heart and ask this precious thing. And the, the passage, the, the precious thing is the, this, the healing of this centurion servant. And one of the participles, one of the pronouns that the Greek uses is the same one that you'd say for a son. And so some translators think, was it even his son? But it's not. It, it's his servant who he loves as a son. Oh, get this, guys. Instead of sending ones that will have to make sure that Jesus comes to them, he sends one, ones who he gives a choice to and friends and in these elders to go ensure the thing that he cares for the most is going to be done. Not by command does he enter into the faith of Jesus, but by choice. I believe that because of the difference between Matthew's account and Luke's account, this is the plain reading of this text because of the difference that's there. <sighs> that what he was marveling at, what Jesus was marveling at, in, in addition to his you know, authority, was what he saw in the centurion's heart about where authority really comes from and what authority really looks like. It's not command, obey. It's with true authority, will you? I give you the option based on love. True authority gives freedom. (laughs) Our human, fleshly, sinful nature and and even the world uh, will will attempt and, and crave 
law and despotism and communism and because that that feels like it's going to be a guarantee of something. Jesus comes giving options and in that sense of freedom you get the world. You lose your life and you gain the whole world. Uh, Let me continue this for a second. This is is a lot of fun. Philemon. If you guys wouldn't mind going, it's the last of Paul's pastoral epistles, so he's speaking as a as a pastor, as a father, to those whom he loves. <clears throat> Philemon is right after Titus. It's a small book that you can miss right before Hebrews. Philemon. Philemon. <laughs> Philemon. <laughs> well, Philemon. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, the cultural context. We're gonna. <laughs> So we're going to start. I'm going to just start in verse 4. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and faith toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us. In us. In us. Everything that is in us. For the glory of God. Of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through your brother. Now, Philemon, Philemon, he is a, he's a wealthy guy who has a lot of servants, has a lot of slaves. Slavery in the Roman culture was one of uh, agreement that had a lot of rights for the slaves um, to operate into freedom at, at some point. Um, and they had they had some protections as well, but not not as not a lot, and not nearly as much as the kind of slavery that's shown in the the Old Testament, where in the Old Covenant there was a lot of rights that were given to slaves. Again, there's a progressive revelation of who God is, and so we now know and we now see through what the Lord has shown us is that that any form of slavery is is not healthy. It's also very much differentiated from the colonial slavery that we had in this nation that was an evil and a blight and never again to be uh, given to this place again, God willing. Um, I say that because here's a man in Philemon who has uh, great authority over those in whom he is, uh, you know, uh, that he has as slaves, that he has as servants, uh, that he is a master over. Um, he has rights over them of their own freedom. And that's, that's a huge amount of authority. That's a huge amount of power. And so Paul is writing to one who also knows authority. And so let's, let's talk about this. Um, so remember what we just saw with Jesus and the centurion. In verse 8, <clears throat> For this reason, although I have great boldness or sincerity in Christ to command you to do what is right. So we, we see it's plain that it is right to do what's about to follow. Uh, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man, and now also a prisoner of Christ, so I, Paul, who is bound by my age and 
bound in prison cells by, you know, because of Christ. So he, he was a prisoner. He's a slave in a sense to these things, to his own body, to this. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I, I fathered him while I was in chains. And once he was useless to you, but now he was useful both to you and to me. I am sending him back to you as part of myself. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation but by your own free will. Let me put two verses together for you then. I appeal to you in verse 9 instead on the basis of love not out of obligation but instead to give you freedom to choose. He had the right, Paul did, to demand and command that Philemon release Onesimus because of righteousness. This is just the right thing to do. So as apostle who saved Philemon, he also had the right, he was saying. He had the ability and authority over him to do exactly, to say, you need to do this, you have to do this. But he says, I won't do that because it's not out of love. If it's out of obligation, it's not love, and therefore it's not good. You know, <laughs> here is my son who I fathered. He is, he is useful. He is a blessing. Here's my son. I could command you to set him free, but to do so would break what love is. And so here I send a most precious one back to you. And I can't command you to do it. I can only ask and appeal to your love. Which do you want? Do you want to keep this one? Or do you want to operate in love? It's your choice what you do with it. Can you feel in Paul, in releasing this one back into the potential of slavery, what kind of trust, what what kind of faith, what kind of love Paul had for Jesus to be able to do this? For the authority that he had been given, Paul was establishing the authority of the church for all times in this letter and in many other letters. And even with the importance of that, he's not going to demand something that's right. He's not going to command it. He's not going to make this person do what is right. He's not going to require us to take up arms to demand what is right. He's not going to require us to fight for it. He's not going to require any of us to take that thing that we want and make that person do it. He says that that wouldn't be love and that wouldn't be good. So I, I appeal to you on the basis of love. I, I'm letting myself become vulnerable. Jesus on the cross said that that was where he would be most glorified. The glory of God revealed in one who let himself, with all the authority, he, he had been given all authority in heaven and on earth. With all that authority, he let it Go. He let it become a choice. And out of that grows love. In the garden, we had two trees. Which one do you want? I can't command you to do this. I'm going to say do this, but it's still your choice. In that place, love is grown. We had this funny example this past week where. One of my daughters was uh, <laughs> a little restless, and, and 
we were having a good meal, you know, just enjoying fellowship, and, you know, we, we prayed and read through the scriptures, you know, at, at, at dinner, so at, at breakfast, and so it, it's good to have a quiet time, and so restlessness can sometimes get in the way of that, so just be still, no, no, stay, stay here, don't, you don't have to get up, no, no, stay, stay still, and so uh, at one point, um, Elizabeth's like, no, no, you need to stay in your seat, <laughs> stay, and, uh, and so, and then I get up, and I have a, a smoothie, I, I like, I like smoothies in the morning, they, you know, they, they, they nourish me for the day, and, and uh, they don't tire me. Yeah. But, but when you spill one, <laughs> it creates a mess. And I, I spilt one all over this desk next to our table that had some of Elizabeth's things on it, and it was a mess. And, and uh, my eldest, uh, Charlotte, jumps up, and uh, she starts to clean, and she asks the daughter who shall not be named yet. Um, <laughs> to come and help. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, mom told me to stay here. <laughs> and so she was entering into obedience, you know, and it was preventing her from entering into love. Jesus says this in John 15 or 16. Uh, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if you're not careful, you'll take that to mean that I've got to obey. Just as obedience. I just have to obey. No matter what you say, I'm going to do it because you say so. And if I don't, then that's not love and I'm going to die. You know? I'm, I'm trying to exaggerate. Like when I, when I first would read those passages and, you know, growing in my relationship with the Lord, I'm like, oh gosh, that, that would bring me fear. Oh, I have to obey. I have to obey. Like, like whatever you say. And then so it's like, oh, we have to do this. We have to give these things. I, 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 anyone who asks have to give. And, and it's just like, what, what, what am I missing? And it was, it was not a pleasant time for me. You know? And so you know, one who's walking out of many different things, you know, whether it's the, the licentious uh, you know, prodigal or the, the, you know, the religious older brother, walking out of religion is a difficult thing. And so let me just create a little bit of space. If you love me, you obey. In the context of these passages, love is a choice. And so if I'm going to obey, I choose to. And in that place of love, there's now a connection with God that comes in that place. And intimacy is revealed and released. True authority gives freedom to walk in love and then therefore connect to God in intimacy. True authority does not require, does not command. Strict obedience is not part of what authority requires. The authority of God himself gives you the choice to step into love or not. And so when you do say yes to it, there is always an invitation for connection and intimacy with the Father. Let me expand this some more. Everything that you see God doing in your life is also his choice because that's what love is doing. Can you connect with God in everything that you see him doing because he's doing it intentionally to show you his love, that he's choosing to do this for you? Whether it's providing bread on the table because that's from him, the, the work that we do because that's from him, the love that we see in a friend or in a relationship because that's ultimately from him. Can you see all of this as him choosing to provide this for you? If so, then everything in life, everything is opportunity for connection everywhere you go. It's an antidote to 
you know, the, the, the days where we feel dark and, and frustration, begin just to open your eyes and look around. All right, what's God doing right now? What, what can I see as a glory? That's him choosing to show you his love. Let me take it another step further. We, we have talked oftentimes about uh, beholding and also how we carry that into relationships that we see one another no longer according to the flesh, to sin, but according to the spirit. <laughs> Can we also see another person's actions toward us in the spirit as choosing love? Even if we don't understand it or feel it, can we honor them, even if they don't know that they're honoring and they're walking in that, as them extending love to you? Those implications will, you, know, you guys can <coughs> mess around with. I, I wanted to make sure that we hammer in on what true authority is. The centurion is, is making a point here. Jesus, I could have sent slaves. I could have sent a servant. But I'm going to send those who, by choice, are going to carry my heart they don't, they don't have to. They're going to expose my vulnerability that I don't feel worthy around you. They're going to carry that. They're, they're going to carry this place potentially of, 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 of feeling shame and small. This is a Roman centurion. He carried the iron and the law of Rome with him. How dare he step into a place of vulnerability amongst you know, anybody that is subject to him? And he does. And he offers it to his friends and he offers it to the elders, those who are in charge of caring for the community and saying, in this place, I want and I ask that you would do this for me. And they carry that message and his friends and his elders are pulling him. Please come. We plead with you. We plead with you. Would the slaves and servants have done that? If you're in obedience, no, I mean, they just told me to do this. You know, I, I have to. Jesus might say no. He's like, okay, great. You know, I, I did what I was supposed to do. But if those who carry your heart because of love, what happens after Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon? Philemon receives this word, and he releases Onesimus. We know this because in uh, one of his letters, uh, Paul is saying that one of the brothers that he's there with is Onesimus, and he's, he's been great for the ministry. He becomes a hero in the early church. Philemon got this. And he offered that same choice. He did say, listen, you're, this is right, but I want by choice to give this to you, Onesimus. You are a brother. You're not a slave. That, that, is, that is illegal in the kingdom. <laughs> but I'm not going to do it because it's the right thing to do. I'm going to do it because I love you, and that's who God is. This is, this is a difficult thing. Our, I'm going to step into some stuff. That's fine. Uh, our, um, our, at times, we in our nation as Christians can fight more over law than love. We know what the right thing to do is. Are we going to give people the freedom to choose? What is going to... What are our actions going to produce if we require behavior? You know, yeah. In our in our courtrooms, you know, we, we fight over. Yeah. So, what's worth putting your energy to, the Ten Commandments or the grace of God? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's stepping on some stuff, but I'm just saying, just pause. You know. 
When Jesus was on the cross and he was surrendering all freedom to give freedom, where did he put his trust and dependency? When, when Paul was giving his son to potential slavery, where was he putting his, his heart in that? You in these days, when we think about what's going on in our culture, where is your security, where is your dependency yeah. coming from? Can you offer people of different opinions freedom to choose? Appeal to them on love without requiring through control, through emotional manipulation, yeah. through law even? Come on, man. Can we, can, we people, can we be a people who understand what is right and live in freedom, submitting one to another? And so it, it, it looks like at times this is the right thing to do. I'm going to tell you that. But if you want to live over here, I will serve you in that place. I will love you in this place. How many of you have been doing that for years in places like your marriage? You're in a good place, if so. That's, there's a lot that's there. I just want you to rest in. <laughs> it's good to live by love. So, we are a people that we have been shown who has the greatest authority in heaven and on earth. And we represent that authority. You are kings and queens. You have every rights that Jesus does, you have authorities in your lives, whether it be as a boss, whether as a employee, whether it be as a parent, whether it be in friends, you, you, have, you have power and you have authority. In the same way that the one who has the greatest authority has given you freedom to choose love, freedom to grow into that love, you know, freedom as a parent to let us grow in making mistakes at times and still be okay. Can you grow into offering others that same freedom. You want to. I, I feel like I, I'm going to end this by um, having a prayer. Most of us in this room at some point have been abused by authority. We've, we've been hurt by it, if I could just say it like that. We, we have seen bad examples of authority. You know, I've, I've stepped into uh, using authority in, in poor ways many times in my life, whether it was younger, as a friend, whether it's times as a husband, whether it's times as a dad. I'm like, ah. And so, uh, and so, but I, I, I want to offer some healing in that for you. Um, and, and I just, I, I, need to, I need to go from the Word to show you, you know, this is the heart of our Father and of Jesus. He, he's not going to stiff arm you in any way. He's going to offer you the choice. What do you want? And I just want to, in this time, break off those old examples and offer you and offer us as a community to do that with one another. You know, when, when we're messing up, you know, when, when you see a better way that we don't yet, you know, tell us that and, and, and give us the, the, the choice, give us the option, and, and trust in the Spirit of God yeah. to yeah. stir in yeah. us to do that. It, it's the Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead, and so it was Jesus dependent upon the Spirit that yes. gave him his confidence. And so wherever you are entering into some form of death because the freedom that you have and the authority that you have isn't being fully realized, that's where your trust is in the Spirit to resurrect whatever that place is yeah. in your life. And so th- that, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. that. That is your legacy. That is your life. That is what we're called to. And so we are a people here that will depend upon and only upon the Spirit of the Lord to do anything that's going to be good. We're not going to force anything. We're not going to command it. We're not going to say, you have to believe this. You have to do this. Come as far as you want. Okay, so let me, let me just pray.
Father, you love us because you love us. You, you choose to love us for no other reason than you love us. That, that's your word. Deuteronomy 7, 7, Lord. You, you love us because you love us. And you choose always to love us. You've taken away every reason why we would believe that you shouldn't love us by covering us with the blood of Jesus, giving, in, giving us his name, the name above every name, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So we can be safe to know that your love isn't going anywhere. Father, we have seen love go elsewhere at times. We've experienced the rug being pulled out from under us. We've experienced those who are to protect us instead hurt us. We've experienced those who have authority over us taking freedom from us. All of us have, God. In the same way that Jesus surrendered his life to that and through forgiveness was able to cleanse that off of him and from all of us, Lord, for all those who had done those things, I I just step into forgiveness and mercy for them. And and for all of you who are here, if if you see any areas of your life where those have done that to you, just offer them up into mercy. Offer them up into forgiveness. There's a place called mercy. There's a place called forgiveness where the, the cleansing blood of Jesus takes those wrongs that were done to you off of those people and cleanses them. So, so as an act of grace, cleanse them with your forgiveness and your mercy. Whoever those are, God, I just declare they are forgiven. Declare your mercy over them, Lord. Father, I thank you for the revelation in these passages that Jesus, with his authority, gives freedom to choose. I ask for your healing now to come and first slice away any emotional mental, spiritual agreements that we have had with those other forms of obedience and those other forms of authority. Cut that off now, Holy Spirit. I cut that off of all my friends in the name of Jesus and release that healing over them. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and now bring healing where people have been trusting, where people have made themselves vulnerable, where people... Our friends and brothers in this room and sisters in this room, Lord, they they had innocence. And that innocence was injured. I ask that you now restore innocence. I ask that you'd restore trust in you. That whatever choice we make, you will love us through. I, I pray that you would deepen the understanding of this passage more and more, Lord that we would see that the entry point into even things like the miracles of God come from a choice. Holy Spirit, you chose to heal when Jesus said so. You didn't have to. You chose to. Jesus, you chose to obey the Father when he said, die on the cross. You didn't have to, but you did. So, Lord, teach us all when we want to release your kingdom how it is that that is a connecting point with you. Let us feel your intimacy. Let us know that when we pray, you choose to answer our prayers. When we see miracles, let us know that that is you choosing to come be with us because you love us. And so, Lord, increase this awareness. Lord, every answered prayer is intimacy. Lord, so I ask that you would answer prayers 
swiftly and completely and remember, help us to remember though that it's always enemies, it's always closeness. Holy Spirit, continue to bring revelation to this in this room. I just feel like there's a, a grace right now for you all to lay aside those other forms of authority and what they represent and even agreeing with them and now step into a place of freedom and choice where Jesus sits. Jesus, if there's things that people are having to let go of, like they let go of, like Philemon let go of Onesimus, I pray that you would give them that same grace that Paul had, uh, that, that, that Philemon had, that Jesus had on the cross. So I, I pray that that same faith, that same love, that same trust, that same revelation that allowed these wonderful heroes of ours to let go and to trust, that you would give this to this room right now and online. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, what else are you revealing right now? Father, I I know that in that place you, you glorified your son when he was lifted up. When whenever we lift ourselves up, so to speak, whenever we are lifted up and giving people freedom. I I pray that that same glory would rest upon every person that's here. I, I pray that that same hope and that same joy that's set before Jesus would now be set before all of us as we give freedom in our lives of those who we have authority over to choose what they want to do. Grant us that, Lord, I pray. Father, I thank you for the healing that you're doing in this room right now. Uh, Lord, I just sense that, that through the emotions that are being healed right now, it's actually healing bodies and, and minds. And so, Lord, just thank you for that. There's a soundness of mind that the Lord gives and he's given in this room right now. Thank you that you established your power and then you established your love. And so do both in this, this people, Lord. I love you, Lord. We are yours. You are our delight, Lord. Amen.